Hello and welcome to this week's Dividend Cafe podcast. Yes, President Trump gave a speech Tuesday night where critics and pundits all responded favorably, commenting positively on his demeanor, tone, and presidential sound and feel. And yes, the market was up over 300 points on Wednesday, bringing the Dow to over 21,000. Did Trump backtrack on China protectionism? Not really. Did he backtrack on Mexico protectionism? No, not really. In fact, there was a fair amount of economic nationalism and anti-trade particulars that were rhetorically appealing but potentially problematic for economic growth. And the speech lacked much specificity around plans for corporate tax reform. But the commitment to see it through was evident, and it's unquestioned by the markets at this point. He didn't specifically embrace the border adjustment tax, but he made vague reference towards supporting some of what it sets out to do. He gave more info about his vision for FDA reform, which offset fear of drug price discussion. His talk of infrastructure spending focused on energy in the private sector, and the other parts had enough ambiguity around them as to not fear deficit blowouts. His section on Obamacare repeal was not remotely ambiguous and has embedded tax reduction in it, which the market loves. All in all, the markets love the speech, and I will add that I believe they especially love the tone and demeanor. Think election night and the market moved the next day, and that, of course, election night was probably the last time we heard the president in this sort of uh, uh, demeanor. So all in all, markets continue in their advance. And, and much of that is still continually tied into expectations out of the new Trump administration. How dare you call me that? Well, wait, I am that. One of the most allegedly anti-intellectual things one can be called these days in the echelons of investment finance is a permabowl, for it conjures up an image of some rosy colored glasses, Pollyanna, who cannot see the complex and nuanced realities of black swans and dangerous markets. Really smart people, if you believe this punditry image, write blogs claiming stocks will crash or are being pumped up by a globalist or corporatist or some sort of diabolical force. Interestingly, this wicked smart crew of stock market skeptics has over the years accused hedge funds of manipulating stocks down and also manipulating them up. Oh, the teamwork that must be involved by these masters of the universe. It is a sociological reality I accepted very early in my career that one will always sound smarter to pontificate in negativity. However, if smarts are determined by actual investment results and not verbosity and pretentiousness, let's just say that I wouldn't recommend the perma bears contrast IQ scores with the perma bulls. In reality, no highly regarded permable would ever claim that markets are not subject to intense periods of distress and challenge. Rather, they would embrace those periods for what they have always been since the beginning of market history, opportunities to acquire more shares of innovative profit-making enterprises at lower prices. History is on the side of the bulls <clears throat> long term. The real intelligentsia knows this. Everything has been so good, I can't even remember all the times it was bad. One of the ironies when people talk about how long in the tooth this bull market feels is how, well, not easy breezy it has actually been. 
To look at this bull market, which we have surely been in, as one lovely rosy walk in the garden from March of 2009 through March of 2017, unchecked and uninterrupted, lacks any semblance of reality. Over an eight-year period, we did start at 6,500 Dow, the low point, and we're now above Dow 21,000. An incredible gain made somewhat less incredible that before we were at Dow 6,500, we had been at Dow 14,000 pre-crash. So in other words, the first half of this market bull run was making up from where we were pre-crash. But let's not forget a few other milestones on the way to where we are now in the market. Greece and the Euro have gone through existential panic mode at least three separate times. The flash crash in May 2010 saw the market drop nearly 1,000 points in one day. Summer 2011 saw a full-blown 20% drop in the S&P. Okay, it was 19.8%, but who's counting? From mid-2014 to mid-2016, the market didn't move at all start to finish. A flat line, but with volatility in between. In August of 2015 and January of 2016, we saw drops of over 10% in each respective month. 70% of U.S. stocks were down over 20% in that 2014 to 2016 period. There have been no short of exogenous shocks to the geopolitical system from China depreciation to Japanese negative uh, interest rates to Brexit to Trump to plethora of ta terrorist attacks. There, there's been all kinds of sources of volatility. Yes, markets sit in a stunning place compared to where they were eight years ago, but the talk of an imminent correction caused by the easy ride investors have had since 2009 is simply not factual. Tax reform held up at the border. What exactly is the basis for skepticism about the administration's pursuit of tax reform? What could give the markets pause that this will happen in 2017 after all? There really is an adequate, though not sweeping, consensus around income tax reduction, corporate tax reform, and much of the other simplification in Trump's tax proposal. The hang-up, though, as we have written since before the inauguration, is and will likely continue to be concern around the border adjustment tax. Essentially, this key piece of the House proposal, sometimes endorsed by the President, sometimes not, but largely shunned by the Senate for now, is a tax on imports coming in, but not exports going out. It's intended to generate a lot of revenue to offset the lost revenue from the other tax cuts. That's at least the House GOP's agenda. It's also intended to promote domestic purchases versus importing of foreign goods. That's the President's agenda. It has a lot of problems, most notably the fact that retailers hate it and consumers will hate it even more when it leads to higher prices. We do not like it because we think it will create significant volatility in currency markets and it is untested and unproven. However, we recognize the possibility that should the border adjustment tax die, rather than let corporate tax reform die with it, policymakers may just replace it with something worse, a border import tariff with no offset for exports. Now that is a full-blown tax on trade and a real problem. Yes, there are a lot of unknowns right now. If we were forced to bet, we would guess the border tax dies, but corporate tax reform still happens with a higher rate than planned. 
However, a high engagement from Trump in support of this border adjustment tax, which he hasn't yet offered, that would definitely change that forecast. Understanding the utility of utilities in your portfolio. The commonly repeated mantra is that utility stocks are down or not participating in the market rally because they're bond proxies and investors expect rising interest rates. Well, that's fair enough, but it's not complete. The spread between utility stock dividend yields and current interest rates is still high enough to absorb an increase in interest rates. So beyond the group speak that you know interest rates hurt utilities, there's a simple reality at play. Policy that right now favors utilities by allowing the unlimited deduction on debt interest for massive power projects are likely to go away. We've said repeatedly the corporate tax reform will be really good for business, but that there would be businesses who prefer the old system of higher rates, which they themselves don't pay behind various loopholes, deductions, and complexities. Utilities are generally speaking not in line to love where corporate tax reform is going. Before I close up, there's another section in this week's Dividend Cafe on the website, the written version that deals with why municipal bond investors do not necessarily love the possibility of high tax rates coming lower. And we talk a bit about the likelihood of the Federal Reserve raising rates in March. And we talk a bit about defense spending budgets. There's a lot of good material there. But let me close out with this. We could have, uh, we doubt that we could have been any more clear in the last few months how much we A, respect this market rally, understanding exactly where it's coming from and why, as investors price in suddenly accelerating earnings growth and the favorable policy landscape they believe is coming from the Trump administration, and B, seek to be cautious and prudent, recognizing that valuations are stretched and markets are permanently prone to excesses. Many want to pin us down by asking exactly what we think will happen and when. We hope clients appreciate our trustworthiness when we refuse to answer that absurd question. Only two kinds of people would even proffer an answer. One, liars. Two, dangerously incompetent advisors. Lucky people may answer and end up getting it right this time. Those people then multiply the danger stuck to them, emboldened by luck they don't know is luck or as Nassim Tlaib calls it, those fooled by randomness. We don't know the answer as to when the market will turn or what exactly the market will do next because we do not know and to pretend we know is to violate our covenant with you to be trustworthy. To think we know would be professional incompetence. Our job is not to know, it is to remind you that you do not know and that no one else you know knows either. Are there reasons to be cautious and prudent right now? In fact, we have been very slowly and opportunistically building a bit of dry powder. So yes, indeed. But hear this, friends. The consequences of being wrong the other way, of not understanding that overbought does not mean over, can mean a long, long period of mystery churns that prove fatal. We manage risk through asset allocation, and we understand history. I'll close you with the quote of the week. The bravest are surely those who have the clearest vision of what is before them, glory and danger alike, and yet notwithstanding, go out to meet it. Long Dividend Cafe podcast this week, but a lot of information in there. Please check out the website. Please let us know anything we can do to answer your questions. 
reach out anytime to anyone at the Bonson Group. Thank you for listening to Divin Cafe.